And welcome to the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. We'll get to your phone calls. We'll get to your tweets along the way. So mandatory minicamp is underway. Day one in the books. A few players spoke to the media. We'll recap some of the things that were brought to the forefront. Giants also had a practice earlier today. They'll have two more days of minicamp before they break. And there's obviously no physicality to the practices there's no pads but you know this is the last opportunity Jeff for this group to continue to gain some continuity before they break for a good six weeks yeah and, and really when you look at the minicamp it's just a, a really a glorified OTA but it's mandatory you got to be here <laughs> um really that I mean you think that everybody would you know 13 was out there today, so I think that was a big thing. Everybody was out. Was he going to show up? Whatever. But he was there. Um, you know, around the league, there are some other people that aren't showing up for these mandatory minute camps. But the, to your point, it's, uh, you know, OTAs and our, everything is installed. And But minicamp is kind of a little bit up more tempo. There's not a lot of teaching that goes. There is some teaching, but not as much as the OTAs. And so they put these uh, these scripted plays in during practice, and they go through, and, and it's an evaluation process, you know, because this is the last one before they – get to that training camp roster and they start to move forward. You mentioned Odell Beckham was there. He's not taking part in any team drills. He's basically doing individual work and some work on the side. He was actually fielding some punts with the group that they're testing out, and there's a number of players in the mix as they're trying to determine who's going to be the X factor on special teams along with kickoff. So that, I think, was encouraging to see. And the quarterbacks rotated, as we've seen them do in OTAs. A number of wide receivers, the young guys, are continuing to get work, which is obviously a huge storyline as we enter training camp, Jeff, because you know beyond Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham, there's plenty of opportunities here with respect to this receiving core, whether it be a Roger Lewis looking to solidify his job as well as a Travis Rudolph or you know, some of the new faces like Cody Latimer. All three of those guys have something to prove. Number one, they need to play better on special teams because that's how they're going to make the team. That'll be the difference. Um, it's a broken record. We say it every year. But if you're not, you know, if you're that fourth, fifth, and sixth receiver possibly, your job is going to be special teams first and then be a role special or receiver. Other than that, you better get in, get in the playbook and understand you got to run down on kickoffs, you got to return punts, whatever it is, you got to get better. Um, and I think that uh, Latimer is a guy that can make this team because of his special teams play. If you look at what he did at Denver, he did it very well. And I think that's one of the reasons why they brought him in. Um, Tyke Tolbert, the, uh, the receivers, receivers coach, coach for Denver now with the Giants, has some relationship with him and some experience. So I'm sure he told the staff here that, hey, this guy can play special teams. And not only that, he can catch some football. So... And speaking of the receiving core, the one other thing notable about Odell Beckham, Jeff, he obviously was there, he was present, but Pat Shermer, when he spoke to the media today, said he's been cleared. Now, to what degree he's been cleared, you can read between the lines, but he's at the point where he can continue to move forward and take part well, in practice. Well, I think you, I mean, there, you, there's a hurdle, and now that hurdle has been met, and or you know, and he's done. So now he's been cleared to practice, and now it's a, it's a, it's up to how the team and the medical staff want to address how he's going to practice. You mentioned he was catching punts and he was running routes. I saw him, you know, in individual drills, running running full speed. In fact, he. He ran. He was playing. He was playing the X on one side, and then he came over and played the Z on another. He played the slot. He was running around. He's very active today, which that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. It shouldn't surprise anybody because Odell Beckham is not a guy that comes out to the practice field and takes the days off. He's a heck of a, a practice player. He goes out there and works his butt off, which is great to see. 
with all the other stuff that goes along with it, you kind of like you know you, you can't you can't slight him for not practicing good and fast and well like he does. And it was nice to see him out there today. Now on the flip side, Snacks and Alec Ogletree both spoke to the media about how the defense is coming along. Snacks joked that he's waiting to hit Saquon Barkley once the pads go on, of he so is. that he can remind Saquon he he's is. not at Penn State anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that well, was his little let's do me a favor that he threw out there. Snacks, do me a favor. <laughs> Hit him, but just pop him a little bit. But please, just don't hurt him. Yes. Please don't hurt him, right? Um, and that's a little. There's obviously some sarcasm that goes along with that Indeed. stuff. But um, you know, he he continues to impress me. I was watching him today, and he's like a little kid out there. I mean, I, I saw him. He was. What did he do? He bounced. He bounced the football off his head a couple times and then it when at the second time it came down he tried to punt it out of the air. He's trying to be old Del Beckham. Yeah. So I think that he's having fun and he's gonna have a lot of fun making linebackers and safeties miss him when he, they're trying to tackle him. Because I saw some moves out there today. It's really impressive. But, uh, you know, just, just him, the passion he has. And really when we talk about football, you hear it all the time how you just want to go out there and have fun. He's going to do that. He has the ability and the talent to have fun on the NFL football field the way he wants to do it. It's going to be great to watch. And the other thing that was interesting that he pointed out, because now obviously the Giants are going to a 3-4 defense, Jeff, and you know people forget, Snacks started his career in a 3-4 defense sure. with the Jets. Yep. So this is not necessarily, oh my God, a huge adjustment period. But he mentioned for the interior guys on the defensive line, things don't drastically change. No, you're between one a three, or two gaps away. Three. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Correct. Um, the the bigger change is the outside linebackers, and the and the, you know now you have um, four of those instead of uh, three of them. And the fact is is that the schemes change, and and Coach Betcher is going to have all kinds of different. Uh, they're they're going to be a nickel a lot because the way the the league is set up nowadays, with those three three wide receivers being in the game, you need an extra guy, whether it's a you know a fast linebacker or you bring in one of those other corners and another safety, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, I think that Coach Shermer is, is trying to overemphasize the fact that this team is trying to find those football players that want to play football, that want to come out here and work, that want to be good, and that want to be part of this team. And I think through the evaluation between now, what's come up to this point, and then when these guys go away after on uh, whenever it ends, on Thursday, I guess, you have that little five-week break. And when you come back, you got to get ready to play. And Because training camp nowadays, there's only so many practices and there's so many evaluation time. So, you know, you look at this roster being 90 guys, I think we all can sit down and conceivably come up with, I would imagine, at least the 45 that are going to be on the roster, in my opinion. It's pretty it's pretty easy that way. But if you're one of those eight guys and nobody believes in you, this is the time you can shine. And there are a lot of guys that come to minicamp that don't make it to training camp. Lance, there's a lot of yep. guys that come out here. They, you know, this is and vice versa. There's some guys that come into minicamp that, you know, that the team is thinking, yeah, they're not going to make it to training camp, but they do well against here. They do the evaluation it goes well, and then they are invited to training camp. So, well, and they've already made a few roster moves over the last few days in terms That's of making some tweaks. So, what you just said has been laid out to yeah. perfection by the Giants that they're always looking to add depth and they're always looking to make tweaks because just because your roster looks like this today doesn't mean it's going to be the same at the end of July when training camp starts. No, and I think that the purpose behind uh, the organization and the scouting department and the personnel is to try to get those 90 guys, okay, 
coming out of this mini camp. These are your guys because everybody goes away and now there's no longer a chance to be able, other than if you bring them in and work them out. But, you know, there's vacations. There's guys that, you know, this is the, the league goes on a hiatus for five, for five weeks, basically. And these coaches, they need that because, you know, they're working 90 hours a day and they're, they're working their butts off all year round, except for this five weeks off or they they get to go out there with their families and go on vacation. Whatever it is, get their mind off of football because once it gets back, man, it's, it's a, a grind. grind. Yeah, it is indeed. <laughs> I took the words right out of your mouth. It's, it's a grind We're for these guys. There. Yeah, I mean, and it's really uh, for as long as I was in the NFL and, and realizing how much work these guys did, it's just amazing to me that they would get in the building at seven o'clock, six thirty in the morning sometimes, and then not leave until ten, eleven o'clock at night. It's like, you know, where's your families? And that's just something they have to give up for the game. Well, that's why it's very rare that you see a lot of star NFL players well, go on no to question. become coaches. <laughs> there is no question. I think and they fact, see it I get it all the time. Like, like <laughs> I'll be at a golf tournament, you know, we'll be we'll be out on the course and the force and there'll be like a lonely action, whatever, and, and one of them will say, So Jeff, so what are you doing these days? And like tell them, Well, did you do you ever want to get into coaching? And I'm like, No, I really didn't unless you you know, I didn't really want to work ninety hour work weeks. I want to have a life. Uh, yeah, a I want to have a life. Yeah. I wanna you know, I wanna be able to come home and you know and back actually say hi to my wife when she's awake and see my kids when they're awake for god's sakes yeah yeah, yeah. coaching is a, a bit of a rude awakening yeah and but these coaches you know they're just they they're they're teachers or what they are they're they're glorified teachers they're you know they're football coaches but the successful ones what makes them so good is how they can teach the game and how they can identify the young guys where that what they need to work on and some of their skill sets and make them better it just comes down to them being great teachers of men. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Let's open up the phone lines. Everything up for conversation. Edward is in North Carolina. Edward, what's happening? Yeah, hold on, guys. Can you hear me clearly? Do we hear you loud and clear? Yep. What do you got for us? Um, I just want to say. First thing I want to say is uh, my heart goes out to Dave Gettleman, and um, yep. he's in my heart and my prayers. Thank you. Um, the comments that I wanted to make is, uh, since we got Dave Gettleman and uh, Pat Shermer, I think the biggest thing that we could derive from everything that's going on is having an open line of communication with all the players. It seems like Pat Shermer has garnered much attention, and rightfully so, for being able to communicate with these players and get them all on the same page. Um, case in point, Odell Beckham Jr. being one of them, you know. And I'm not going to make much about Ben McAdoo. Um, I think he gets, you know, rightfully so, some negative attention. Um, but there were some good things that he did. I mean, 11, going 11 and 5 was not a fluke. You know, you have to give the man some credit for that. But I believe once we hired Dave Gettleman, Everything changed, and everything changed for the better. I believe in all the coaches that we have. Way more confident than the coaches that we had prior. I think they have the ability to teach and to get these guys on the same page. Now, I wanted to know some, something about the offensive line. How does it – I know that there's no contacts, um, no contact on these, uh, these, these OTAs. Correct. How does the offensive line look, and how does the defensive line, from your standpoint, what players are they putting in there on the defensive line that look, you know, 
way better than what it did last year. Now, I know we lost JPP, you know, so now we're not getting that eight and a half sacks that we got last year. But how does that defensive line, that defensive front look in the 3-4 defense, and how does that translate into games coming into the season? I mean, if you could garner anything from what you've seen from uh, from uh, the open, you know, OTAs to the media and what you guys have seen. Okay. And how has Pat Sherman made a difference? How big of a difference has Pat Sherman made with his open line of communication and his ability to translate what he needs and what he wants to teammates, especially Odell Beckham Jr.? And I'll take that off the line. All right, Edward. Appreciate the phone call. We could start with the offensive line and the defensive line. And, I mean, I think the caller hit it right on the nose. There's only so much, Jeff, that you could take away to say, wow, I mean, it's night and day from last year when there's no contact in practice. I think, to me, the biggest takeaway from the offensive line standpoint, Jeff, is we're seeing Pat Shermer rotate guys in and out. He, he's just trying to get a look at different alignments in terms of specifically at the center position where we've seen Jalapio and Jones go in and out, and Jalapio is actually working with the first team as opposed to Brett Jones. So that, I think, is interesting. And I don't think there's anything to read too much into that. I just think it's a sign this is the time where, you know, let's get guys comfortable in various spots so that when we put the pads on in training camp, it's not all of a sudden baptism by fire. They'll have a feel for that. And the reason why I say that for a guy like Jalapio is Jalapio was mainly a guard in college. He didn't play. So that, to me, is the biggest takeaway. Just seeing where guys have lined up. Hernandez, Omame have been in the mix in terms of the guard spots. And obviously, we've seen Eric Flowers move over to right. They're just getting comfortable in the different alignments that they're throwing out there in practice. But, I mean, to make a bold declaration that, boy, it's 10 times different than where the 2017 season left off, I think is going too far. All you can do at this point is know on paper, I think they have more depth right now than they had at this point last year going into the season. Which was important to do, yeah, obviously, because you ran into problems. But, you know, any time that you are in a situation in football where there are no pads on and there's rules about hitting and stuff, the defense will win every time. Okay, pretty <laughs> much every time. Because, you know, they're the guys that can pretty much bull rush and use their hands and things like that. And so the linemen can't use any – the offensive linemen can't use any of their nastiness. They can't get in and do some of their tricks that they normally would like to do when they're blocking. So you're going to see it look like the defense is, is, is manhandling the offense at times. But I think right now what Lance said is that um, the landscape of the offensive line is like putting little pieces together and building it and, and having confidence that you know that um, X, Y, and Z will play this position. And, you know, if, they, if we had to move them around, that's, that's what we can do. And we're evaluating them um, to be able to do that. That's part of the process, knowing that, uh, you know, a center can play guard and a guard can play center. Um, I don't think it's so necessary that the center can play right or left tackle, but I think that those the inside guys have to be able interchangeable. And I think that when you have you're building your roster, you got to have guys that you know that can do that, and you build that through depth. And I think that's what you said didn't make sense. They've got a lot, the most depth they've had before. But um, I think the real the big thing on defense is that James Betcher is known for his 
his defensive fronts and not being a straight 3-4 all the time. It's going to be different. It's not going to be 90% of that 3-4. It's going to be maybe 60%. And the rest of it's going to be a 4-3 or it's going to be, you know, the nickel dime packages. He throws stuff in there constantly to be able to try to get after the quarterback. That his 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 defense is designed to get after the quarterback from a three four scenario, and you're going to have to see how Ov and Kareem Martin are the guys that are going to be on that outside. But I want I will tell you one thing: you're going to like to see there is a lot of blitzing from this, these packages. They come from everywhere. An aggressive defense. And you know, with me speaking with James Betcher, I've gotten to know him a little bit over this last the off season, and I think one thing that comes from from his defense that he commands is is smartness. And, and having the, the, the acumen from the IQ of a football player and knowing where to be and not to be out of position. And when the scheme works, it, it works if you're smart about it. If you got guys in that are out of position, they're not going to be where they're supposed to be, you're going to get gashed. You're going to get gashed in this system, and but you have to be smart, and that's why they went out and got good, experienced football players. Ogletree and Kareem Martin are two veteran football guys, okay? Um, and both of them, you know, will – well, Ogletree didn't come from his system, but Kareem Martin did. But I asked him about Ogletree, and he says, well, well I got to tell you, I got tired of seeing him twice a year for four <laughs> years when he played with the L.A. Yeah. I say L.A. Can you believe I said L.A.? Hey, perfect. That's pretty darn good. That's right, Lance. yeah. Well, you could have went with the Rams, and you didn't I mean, have to worry yeah, about that, where they were that located. That might be the yeah. safe bet That would have been the easier yeah. one. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, those are the, to answer the questions for the caller, I think those are some things that you're going to look at. But I, nothing is going to be able to, to be – told until they get these pads on and they can start playing football and I know that the coaches are cannot wait for that because they're tired of this type of football you really are yeah there's only so many times you can go through the motions so much you, you want to be able to hit somebody and you want to be able to show your physicality actually based on what you were laying out Jeff I would say you know to answer the caller's question probably the biggest takeaway at this point of the year is what's going on in the classroom no question and we're not seeing that. You but that, to it. me, is the most important aspect on offense and defense, specifically with both of the lines. And we and we don't know. We don't know what, like, obviously what's being told or, and taught in the classroom and how it's carrying over to the field. I mean, the evaluation, we don't know about that. that you know, when, when the when the practice is over and they go in as a staff and look at the game, at the practice, knowing that they installed this part of the offense or this defense earlier in the day, and now these guys are on the field and they're screwing it up. That's not good. <laughs> and so from a player's perspective, you can't do that. That's where the retention, that's how the evaluation of, Lance, this is what we're going to run today. Can you run it? Yes. Okay, you go on the field. Did you run it? No. Lance, what are you doing? It's not you know? translating over to the field. And that's when these guys don't make the football team. And that's what I meant about being smart and how I'm able to, to apply what the coaches are telling you, take it out on the field and play it, and then be good at it. And that's a huge part of the evaluation at this time of the year. It's huge. That's why we've seen some roster changes because they're looking at some of these young guys and they're like, all right, hey, we're implementing this aspect, this yeah. facet of the offense today, and then we want to see you go out and execute it, to your point, Jeff, on the field. It's it, and it's you know it all goes back to evaluation coming out of college when, when that's why it takes so long for this stupid draft to get going because they have so many people to evaluate and and part of the process is that wonderlick test or you know some of the stuff that they put them through at combines or they, they that's why they, the quarterback position they talk about the whiteboard test you know they get these guys in these rooms and they throw up these defenses and they throw up these offenses and they want you to do what are you going to do in this situation and can you read this coverage and you know x y z this this and this 
you know, before you're going to give this guy $15, $20 million, you want to make sure that he can understand what you're going to be applying. Now, that's not an extreme case because of the quarterback, but, you know, when it gets watered down a little bit, even to the defensive side, defense is easier to play than offense. I can tell you that from a schematic and from a playbook's perspective because defense is defense. You're just defending an offense and running certain stuff. But offensively, you are game planning around a defense and things change every week. You know, so you don't want to give up your signals. You don't want to give up your tendencies. You don't want to give up anything that's going to give an advantage to the team next week. So you change up things, and that's where there's mistakes. And so you got to have guys that are smart. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. The other aspect of the question that the caller laid out was how is Shermer and his vision and his advice transferring over to the players in what we're seeing on the field. Well, this is the one thing, though, I think we got to be cautious of when we make comparisons between Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer, Jeff. The roster has turned over as well. It's not as if Pat Shermer has inherited the entire 2017 roster. So I guess my point is sometimes when teams don't work out, to just say it's the coaching staff, I think, is a little misleading. I think the players <laughs> deserve responsibility as well. So he's also advising now a lot of new faces, a lot of new personalities that Ben McAdoo didn't even have to deal with. So that's a big part of when you're making the comparison, you have to take that into consideration. I think the one thing that he's emphasized when he has talked with the media is he is very open with his players, and he's also even keel. Rhett Ellison, to me, provided the most insight, Jeff, because Ellison was actually with Pat Shermer in Minnesota Right. when Shermer was the tight ends coach, then he moved up to offensive coordinator, and now he's seeing him as a head coach. And he says that through seeing him in all three different labels, all three different positions, it's just been a straight line. Shermer doesn't go up and down. He'll treat you the same when he's the tight ends coach as he is when he's the head coach. So, you know, that to me was a notable statement, and it just seems as if he's very involved and passionate about getting to know his players as opposed to all of a sudden telling you every single different facet from an X's and O's standpoint. He wants to know the guys before he starts to now get dig digging deep into everything that is going to have them so involved in what they're doing come to start a training camp. Well, I think it's 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 a feeling out process, and, and when you're dealing with 53 guys during the regular season, they're dealing with 53 different personalities, and you're dealing with 53 different types of people. And I think as a coach, head coach, you've got to understand your players and you've got to understand how to communicate with them. And the first part of that is getting to know them. So if any of you have kids out there, know that, you know, I have four four boys. Every one of them is different. You know, I can say one thing to one of them, but I could never say it the way I did to that guy the same way I could do it to my other one of the other boys. So it's the same thing with 53 men on this roster. And Dave Gettleman said it. You know, I want somebody that will coach men. That, that teaches them football. And, and so that's part of the M.O. as a head coach, no matter who it is, is getting to know those the roster, and this is what he does. He, he, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, I would imagine that he's had a short little stay with each one of these players in his office or even at lunch or in the locker room trying to get an idea of the personality tap type you know that disc profile in business they use a disc which is a you know get it fancy here well you do and it's the way (laughs) they hired and and because like if i'm if i'm looking for a receptionist and and i'm looking for somebody then in this profile that fits it um and i'm going to hire the wrong person it's not going to be a good receptionist i this job requires this type of personality type and if i hire somebody without it 
You know, so in other words, a receiver is a guy that, you know, maybe this guy on the team is not one of the guys that you can yell at and scream at because he's going to take it personally and it's going to ruin him. So you got to understand how to get a you go in the push back door. You got to different buttons. But for absolutely, and, you have, and so yeah. his his whole demeanor right now, and trying to do is trying to figure out and get to know every one of these guys in the football team, so that he can relate to these people, or their coaches can relate to him. He might have to go to the position coach and say, "Hey, listen, Tyke Tolbert, I need you to talk to uh, Cody Latimer. Okay, you've been with him before. You know him personally. I need to get more out of him. How do I do it? There you go. I got to know the guy and kind of understand how I can." Address it. Well, I mean, that's a huge part of coaching. Everybody is so it's focused on part you know, understanding the offense and the defense. you, you got to be able to manage people and Listen, manage personalities. And that's why if you ever ask a coach to, who has been retired, has been in the league for a long time, these guys got mem- – they, they know their players. Like, hey, remember, do you, did you have a guy, you know, in 1991 that played – oh, yeah, what a great kid, you know, had a great family, you know, his mom. They know these guys. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Because you have to take the time to study up and get to know the yeah. player. And not to mention that – you got to also then then the time comes in to run your football team, you know, p- install plays and, you know, and, and come in and, and try to, you know, put schemes together and those kinds of things. So not only does the head coach manage the football team, he has to manage his coaches too, and then everything off the field. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Yes, the heavy lifting. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. You can't get to the phones. Feel free to chime in on the conversation via Twitter. We'll certainly get the dialogue going on both fronts. So this comes from Elena 31733791. That's certainly a lot of numbers there. What's your opinion on the new signing? So the one notable one that they made today, Jeff, is they signed tight end Scott Simonson. And the reason why he's notable is he's got a Carolina Panthers connection. Last year, he spent the entire season on IR, but this is not the first player that we've seen Dave Gettleman bring in who he has some familiarity to or has some ties to. He did the same thing a few weeks ago with Russell Shepard, who did not have a large sample size in Carolina, but there was enough upside that he saw that said, hey, you know what? Let's bring him into the Giants mix. Let's see what we get out of him in training camp. It just goes on what we just said. Okay, history... Uh, they've had time with them. They understand the type of player, type of personality, type of work ethic, all that kind of stuff. Um, opposed to, you know, this guy, Scott Simonson, you know, the Eagles may not know as much about this guy as the Giants do because it's all about relationships. Not only that, but he was he drafted by them? Let's see here. I do not believe Carolina drafted him. He okay. had one start for both Oakland and Carolina. Free agent, see where he rookie was. free agent, rookie free agent yeah, with the Raiders in 2014. But still, if you're a rookie free agent and you're in you're in OTAs and you're in mini camps, that's a long time. They get to know you, okay. And um, unfortunately, he was behind pretty good player there as a tight end, and, Greg Olson. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, and some other guys too. But that there you go. So it's a familiarity with the players that are around the league, even though they're with other teams and people, you know, switch up. Dave comes here and knows this guy, and bam, there you go. Well, and. It's no surprise that they've been focusing on this position because, I mean, we've talked about it a lot on this show, Jeff. After Evan Ingram and after Red Ellison, to me, I don't think anybody's a lock. Kyle Carter has familiarity with Pat Shermer in Minnesota. Ryan O'Malley is a young up-and-coming tight end. Jarrell Adams has been on the roster a few seasons, but 
this is a new regime now. Adams has absolutely no ties to any of these guys. He wasn't drafted by this group, and now you see a guy like Scott Simonson come in. So, I mean, you can basically flip a coin. Nobody, to me, has a significant edge on anybody at this point when you're talking about three, four, five in the battling of the positions on the back end of the tight end depth chart. Yeah, and I think they're going to carry in this system. They'll carry three, um, and you know, you know who the two are going to be. Um, so and Shane Smith, by the way, should be in this group as well, as fullback slash yeah. tight end, and he's listed as a tight end. He's listed as a tight end, and I think that I don't know if that, that if that has not changed because that's what he was listed as a tight end last year, right? Yeah. So they made him a tight end from they made uh, he was a fullback, but they made him a tight they end. Classified him that way. So maybe they haven't because I know that uh, hearing Pat Shermer speak, he 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 likes the idea of having a fullback in this offense. So. Whether you call him that or not, it doesn't matter. It's just where it's just he lines up at. Correct, yeah. Um, he just cares about making the 53. What, what it does matter is when we when we do our 53-player breakdown, the position breakdowns. <laughs> do we put him as a do fourth tight end? Or, well, you know? The, the, <laughs> so I well, think, it's the same thing, Jeff, with Red Ellison. Red Ellison's a guy that's a fullback slash tight end. Yeah. So there's players that fall into those. I think there should labels. be like there's two two categories for the tight ends now. When you look at Evan Ingram, he yeah he's a tight end, but he's really a receiver. Okay, Red Ellison and um and this you know who forever Scott Simonson whoever is or, uh, Shane Smith excuse me, he's a tight end fullback. Those two guys are tight end fullbacks. So. Um, well, you need versatility on the roster. Well, no question. So, the more you can do, the better you are. Bingo. That's why if you're Shane Smith, you're saying to yourself, okay, wow, they brought in a lot of tight ends, right? But I can actually play fullback as opposed to maybe Jarrell Adams. They're just comfortable saying he can only be a tight end. Well, I think I remember hearing last year where um, I don't know if it was Red Edelson or it was uh, Shane they were, you know, back and forth in the meeting rooms because the different position groups. So they would spend like with the running backs Wednesday with the running the, backs and Thursdays with the tight ends and and defensive players are going to be doing the same thing this year, Jeff, because oh yeah. the pass defensive, rushers yeah. are going to be with the linebackers slash defensive linemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's just a given. On idea. Thursday is usually pass rush day where they put that. the group together, but then the other days in the week they are going to have them separate separated for the most yep. part. So. Yep. I think offense and defense can relate when it comes to this roster, uh, given how players are classified differently and so forth. Let's head back to the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Mystery is in Brooklyn. Mystery, what's happening? Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing all right, I've been trying to get in your show for a minute, but I'm, I just want to say you guys do a great job. Well, First thanks thing, for tuning in. Appreciate it. I was mentioning that, that, you know, there was a time when we had more time or the players had more time in practice. They had more full contact. They had more contact. Oh, yeah. And I know the league changed that because I figured they figured it would help the guys in the long run, like, have their bodies ready for the regular season. But well, the league didn't like, change it, I wonder mystery. if you guys believe it, what I think. I think it's kind of giving them, like, running with dull series. This is because you're coming up short. Now you have to start a full season with less time, less full contact, less ability for the coaches to evaluate, hey, look, this guy can get his hands up. This guy does move his feet well. This guy does read the mic. This guy does read the safety, so on and so forth. You can if you're minimizing practices. And my other point that I want to make really quick is everybody's talking about Odell Beckham, snacks, and talk about the players. What people have to understand, at least I think, is these guys are putting in time and energy, like you were speaking of, Jeff was speaking earlier. He's like, hey, I get five weeks out of a year? That's it to spend with my family? Jeff said he would love to just sit hi to his wife. Yeah. People don't understand how that's such a, 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 a blessing in the NFL and the amount of time you guys have to put into it. And so now they say, I got five weeks. 
nobody wants to rip Odell about because he went on a boat ride or he went hanging out with his friends. Well, timing has, has to do with life, everything. You know, <laughs> have a life. Yeah, Give well, him a life. I think that, you know, the whole boat, that they, you know, timing is everything, they say, right? I mean, there's a time and a place for everything. Uh, the, boat, the boat is a time is when you're in that. In fact, it's a perfect time to go out on a boat when you're after, after the minicamp is over and you're in the summer period before training camp. Go on the boat, do relax all you want. But, you know, after the playoff game, it was a little bit, you know, the timing was not there. But, you know, these, these, these guys do put a lot of time in. The one thing that people have to realize is that the coaches in the organization get a little bit worried at this time of the year when these guys leave. I mean, they're, they're gone for five weeks, and they have to understand that, you know, they still have to keep – they've been in the OTAs, they've been in the offseason workout program. You certainly don't want to lose all that in the five weeks that you're, that you're gone. And I know that the strength coach and the trainers and, the, and your, and your, and your um, position coach all tell you, like, listen, you want to lay low a little bit. We want you to have a good time and relax and stuff, but you, gotta, you still got to train. And a lot of these guys – not a lot, but there are some guys that come into camp and – they didn't do what they were supposed to do while they were gone, and and it, they they get on you know they get on the bad side. Yeah, well, you fall behind <laughs> or you don't pass the conditioning test yeah. when they regroup for training camp. That's why the six week period. I agree with you one hundred percent, Jeff. It's so important for these players to follow their own regiment or have their yeah. own personal trainer so that they treat it as if it's another OTA every day, so that it's not a wake up call once you resume play at training camp. The the other thing that I wanted to point out, mystery. You know, you you brought up the point about how there's limited practices and there's no two-a-days anymore, which is something Jeff can relate to when he played, but that was not a league change. That was a CBA collective bargaining yeah, the agreement. Players that. The players yeah. wanted that to change, though. See, yeah. that that's the thing. The league did not make that change looking out for the well-being of the players. The players, as part of the negotiating, said, well, you know, if we're going to give up certain things, we want you now to limit practices. So they agreed to do that, and I think they hurt themselves yeah. in a certain respect because now they don't have enough of an opportunity to prove themselves on on the field and work with the coaching staffs to show that they deserve a spot on the 53. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that. My last little quick point, guys, and with regard to what you were saying, I heard an interview with Evan Ingram yesterday, and they asked him, and I'm Evan Ingram, I'm sorry, Wayne Gallman, and they asked him, what has he done better this year? I think I think one of you guys interviewed him, and he said he found himself being more of a professional in his off time. He, know, he ate better. He exercised better. He did the professional things like, Jeff just said they give you X amount of million dollars to play this game in your off time. You're supposed to show that professionalism. When he said that, that made me feel really good about this year for the Giants because when your youngsters are saying they're doing this professional, mature thing, that's a good sign. It really is. And I tell you, it shows the maturity. Okay, and, 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 and it's a step up. You're no longer a college student anymore. Uh, you no longer have to – you can only be at the facility for X amount of hours. Now, it is a little bit like that, but nothing like college. Um, and you understand – you understand that this is a business and you understand that the Giants just went out and spent their number two draft pick on a running back. Not to say that they, they, they don't like you, but the fact is, is that you're expendable. So you better work. And that's how you always light a fire under some of these guys, but not saying that the Giants lit a fire under want uh, Wayne Gallman, because I thought that Wayne had a nice season last year. And I feel like he's a kid that can learn from Saquon Barkley, even though he's just a year older than him. Uh, you're younger than him, excuse me. Well, Saquon's a year younger. Yeah. My point is, is that these guys all have to work together. You can't just have one running back, 
okay? Um, but they do grow up, and they understand that, hey, it's not, I don't have to go to class anymore. I need to go to GNC and, and you know, get some supplements and do the stuff and got to go to the grocery store and get a, the right stuff to eat and things like that off the field is going to make you better on the field. Well, because to me, hey, the, guys, the big been, difference is... You guys have been great. I so appreciate it. I'm going to hold your time up. My last thank point you. was I yeah. thought bringing in um, Stuart, the running back was an awesome idea with the youngster running backs back Well, there. absolutely. A, absolutely. Awesome and, and appreciate the phone call, Mystery. Thanks so much for weighing in. Thanks, guys. I'll try again this week, okay? All right, sounds good. good. Day, guys. With, with respect to Goldman, I, I think you brought up a great point, Jeff, because when you're in college, you know, you also have schoolwork. Yeah. So yeah. you're balancing both, and, and you're trying to prioritize both. And it may not be football 24-7. One is not as important as the other. Or, or, or the schoolwork may not be 24-7. <laughs> now, I think what players need to realize, the responsibility now is football. you got to take care of your body on and off the field. When you're not with the team, you got to be thinking about football. you got to study your playbook. That's the homework now. That's yeah. priority number one. There are no other priorities. <laughs> and you know what? You don't have a teacher that's going to be yelling. You have a coach now. And you also have an organization that if they don't like you, then they're going to fire you, and you're never you're not going to make money anymore, and you're going to have to go start over somewhere else. So um, a lot of responsibility goes into that. And I don't know, you know, if you're a coach and you got these young guys, this is why, to be honest with you, this is why the rookies are here so much longer than the, than the veterans, okay? The rookies don't leave here. You know, the veterans come in for the OTAs and they go home on the weekends. And then, you know, after the OTA or the offseason workout program, the rookies are here. As soon as they graduate college, they can come here. And after, for for example, after the minicamp is over, the, the rookies stay here. They're not, they're not leaving like the rest of the, the they veterans. They stay a little bit longer than yeah the another rest of the week group. or so yeah. just to kind of you know get get them caught up and stuff because you know what you got to pull the reins back on some of these young guys you know they just feel like oh okay now we can got five weeks to get yeah, out and go relax, you know go so, party, the, yeah. so the team's gonna hold them as long as they can just to make them understand that this is a profession now and you 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 are being paid for what you do and 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 the one thing that is always said. Going away from any of this stuff, uh, mini camps or whatever they the team lets the players go, they always say, "Remember, you are representing the New York Giants in whatever you do and whatever you say outside of this building. Understand that." And so that's important for them to know that when you leave here, that you have that NY on your on your on your on your chest here or anywhere you go, you're representing the organization. Make sure you behave yourself and that you do it in the right things the right way because you don't want to have to come back and and have to sit in Dave Gettleman's office and after he's yourself. been going yeah. through all these treatments and stuff and things like this and get him you know you're gonna you're gonna make him a little bit mad that you went out and did something you weren't supposed to. Don't do it. Don't be we always used to say don't be that guy. <laughs> don't be that guy. The one that stands out for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That usually is the message for just about every NFL head coach. <laughs> the parting words before don't be the that team guy. breaks. Yeah. Don't be that guy. <laughs> and part of it is because I mean think about it. During the course of the six weeks, this is downtime not just for the players, it's downtime for the media. So there's no stories. So <laughs> if you're making it easy for the media, yeah. then you're placating right to them. So that's exactly why the teams don't, Just don't want anybody to get out of character. Don't be the guy that's on the ESPN app yes, that says the, breaking the alert. news. Correct, yeah. yeah. Not a 
good philosophy to adopt under the circumstances. 201-939-4513. Certainly feel free to give us a ring. We'll continue to take some more phone calls. Also want to work in some questions we're getting on Twitter and appreciate the interaction on social media. Reminder, today, Wednesday, and Thursday, Big Blue Kickoff Live is starting an hour later. So we're going to go 1 p.m. just before 2 p.m. as opposed to our normal time, which is noon to 1. So just make sure you take note of that. These next three days, starting an hour later, Friday will return to the normally scheduled time. Yeah, we want to give a little bit of time to, uh, you know, for media to be able to hear the, yeah. hear the players in some interview stuff and, and also um, be able to go out to practice and watch some of the minicamp and, and look for things that uh, we can bring to the show and, and let you know how things went. So this comes from Lisa at So Bad 6. In your opinion, do you think we'll carry more tight ends or wide receivers seems heavy at tight end at this point? Oh, there's no question there'll be more wide receivers. Yeah, because you can't carry five five tight ends. You know, yeah, you're going to carry you're going to carry five amount. you're going to carry five wide receivers. So, well, I mean, I I'd expect to have six. To yeah, be I'm just saying, Jeff, minimum minimum five. five. Yeah. yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I mean, I'm looking I brought up the 2017-53. Okay. Just as a means of comparison. So, last year heading into the season, obviously the roster changed. They kept six wide receivers. It was Beckham, Marshall, Shepard, Harris, King, and Lewis. So, King's gone, Harris is gone, Marshall's gone. So Beckham, Shepard, and Lewis are the returning three out of that six. That doesn't mean that all three are going to make the team, but three of the six that made the 53 last year are still in the mix. That means there's three opportunities right there. Absolutely. Then if you go to the tight end position, four tight ends were kept. Red Ellison, Evan Ingram, who were penciling back in, and then the backups were Jarrell Adams and, remember, Matt Lacoste, who had been in and out of the team. So Adams is still in the mix. Lacoste is not here. So they kept four. Now, Shane Smith was not a part of that group. So the question is, does the fullback get counted in within the group of tight ends? Are they going to factor in the fullback with the running backs? Remember, that's a possibility. I mean, to me, that's all really minutiae at the end of the day, just for how they line up the final 53-man roster. I don't think it's crazy to think that between the fullback and the tight ends, you're not going to get a combo of four. I can see certainly that being the minimum there. Well... Meaning, if you if you count the fullback as part of the tight end, you could group, get four. That you could get yeah, four. Yeah, I, but I don't think that's four, crazy. Not seeing four plus one. No, that I think may be a bit of a surprise. Yeah, if I they agree. went, if meaning you have four yeah. tight ends and then you're factoring in the fullback and then all the running backs, I don't know necessarily if that would be something in their game and, plan. I, and again, this this really it. <sighs> When you are building the roster, you have to understand, and I know it gets old talking about it, but when you're building a roster, it comes down to, okay, who is a better special teams player? Is it going to be Shane Smith or is it going to be Jarrell Adams? Yeah. Is it, you know, that makes a difference. Okay, let's look at those other three spots that you just identified for the wide receiver position. I will tell you for a fact that those three positions will be dictated on their special teams play. No question in my mind. Wide receivers are gunners on the football team. They're on the punt team. Okay, do you need these guys to play special teams? That is going to predicate itself on making the th- listen. Rudolph last year didn't make this team because he didn't play special teams well. And now he's fielding punts this year. Okay. And so we, so and, we had, to... and remember talking about him last year, he had said to us and to the media for that matter, 
I know that I've been told that I have to play special teams and get better at it. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He's got to get a lot better at it, and hopefully this year he can do it because I think he's one of the guys that is still on the cusp of being one of those three guys. I'm with you. Hunter Sharp's another guy who we didn't bring up. He's also been fielding punts. And then Khalif Raymond, who was on the team late last year, he's another guy that is fielding punts and can do that role. But I would, I would imagine that, you know, in my mind, I think that Cody Latimer is going to be the fourth receiver. Okay, and then the the two the, the other two are up they're up for grabs. They really are and it's going to come down to how these guys play and also health. Health always makes a big difference. So, you know, who's healthy coming out of uh that last preseason? So, you're including Roger Lewis in the top 3? Yeah. Okay, and then Latimer's your fourth. Yep. And then here's another guy, Russell Shepard, who was who just, just brought in. Yeah. He also has special teams experience, Absolutely. Jeff. So yeah. there's a lot of guys that right now are at that position that are, are looking to get an edge on one another, it, whether it be a big return in the preseason or whatever it may be. And don't forget, folks, just like this team was 3-13 and 13 and horrible, the special teams last year was horrendous. So this team and Dave Gellerman, Dave Gellerman, is a special teams guy. He will build his roster with special teams talent. That's why I'm telling you this right now. Write it down. Put it on the board. Whatever you <laughs> want to do, those those positions will be dictated on special teams play. And I swear to you, if Dave Gellin was sitting right next to me right now, he would tell you the same thing. So I'm telling you what he's going to tell you if you asked him. This is the same thing I'm telling you now. You're going to make this team if you're the fourth, fifth, or sixth wide receiver because you play special teams. You're going to make the roster as a cornerback for a special teams play. Okay? That's the way it's going to be. Lyman, you, be too eh, yeah. Lyman, you know, you, not so much because they got the, the big guys in there for the field goal and the field goal rush team. They just kind of stay there. But the rest of them... There, that's that that is the dictate. That is going to be what makes the team. Is you have to play those special teams. So we will be talking about this for another couple months. I'm telling you, but it's going to come down to the final hour. That's what it's going to be. We At the it. tight end and the wide receiver position. Tight end, especially. wide receiver, cornerbacks, and linebackers. Those are those things right there. Are your guys that you have to be able to play special teams. And that's why it'll be interesting to monitor who makes big plays in the preseason because that's going to give them an opportunity no within question. a game feel of yep. what they could do. And really, a guy can hit it out of the park towards the second and the third preseason. More and more, the, like I say, the second and the, the third preseason game. The third preseason game is the closest you're going to get to a regular season game in preseason. So if those guys could go down on, on and play good special teams and then maybe that last quarter – where they're playing against the, you know whoever or even get subbed in in the second or third quarter and play well on their position, then they got a good chance. They really do. All right, let's reopen up the phone lines as we move along here on the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Day one of mandatory minicamp here on this Tuesday. We're recapping what transpired at practice, also what some of the players told the media. Jason is in Denmark. Jason, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How y'all doing today? Doing Hi, right, Jason. Jason. What do you got for us? Hey, uh, real quick on that conversation you about the CBA. How often do they update what they agreed to? Because I feel like if players are leaving the league every couple of years, uh, say four, six years, shouldn't they be constantly updating that agreement so that everybody, including the new players, agree with everything that's in that package? Well, I mean, keep in mind, the last time they negotiated CBA was 2011. So it's the responsibility of the new players to be read up 
on the ins and outs of the collective bargaining agreement, but there's an X amount of years that are put in place for the CBA, so they don't necessarily have an out after two or three years. I believe no. this is this was a 10-year deal, if I'm correct, Jeff, right? It was a I think it's 2021 or yep. now, there is around a, there. Now, there is an opportunity the to extend it, and usually what comes with extension is that there's benefits and and some tweaks to the system. And so that's probably what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Is that is there a chance that anything that's it? But you know, if nothing is nothing else is done, it's ten years. Yeah, yeah it's coming up. And they just continue to follow the procedures. I mean, the only thing that we've seen change, Jason, is sometimes the policies that the NFL comes up with in terms of the domestic violence policy. Some of those things right, right. are newly thrown in within the midst of the CBA. But Jeff, you but, can, they, ha- but they have to be approved. By they the have to be. Well, yeah, that's where yeah, the gray area yeah, is, as you yeah. well know. No, but Jeff, you could provide insight because I, I think this is a great question that Jason threw out when you first came into the league, and even when you've seen young players, how much of a responsibility is on the player or team employees to make sure that they're well read up on the ins and outs of the CBA? Well, is that the union rep for every team? How does that go about? I think that, that it's it's evolved to a point now where it's it's definitely mandatory that they understand what's going on. And it's and it's presented in a way that, that it's like the team will have their own personnel um, go over a lot of the items that are in it. The league then does that rookie symposium. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, so they cover it there. They, they, they cover, cover the a lot there. of this stuff. Okay. So, so that you're not just blindsided when you come in and there's, you know, oh, I didn't know about this. Um, the flip side of it, not only from the CBA part of it, is that financials and just you know life skills and and what 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 it takes to be a professional football player when you're moving from college to the to the pro level. They do a nice job of the transition between there. They also do a decent job with the transition out of football. You know, so there's a transition coming from college into the pros. There's also a transition from playing as long as you do and going out of it because that's maybe a bigger transition for players that are making a lot of money and that are the spotlight and that life is good and all of a sudden they're cut and they've never played football again. Nobody cares about you anymore. And that mentally can be a tough transition for a lot of ex-NFL players. What yeah. else you got for us, Jason? Uh, yeah, um, so now that I have Jeff on – um, what was it? What's this guy's name? That pundit we got rid of uh, from Australia, the boomerang kick. Brad uh, Wing, you're talking about. Yep. Wing, Wing, yeah. yeah. Why does it, and I'm just speculating, why does it seem like we're willing to work with Rojas, and I know they're different positions, but we seem like we weren't willing to try to work with him, seeing that he had such a talent for doing that boomerang kick, and I kind of like him as a kicker. And then the last thing I uh, had was, is there any truth to the rumors of DRC coming back? And I'll take all of that off the air. All right, Jason. Appreciate the phone call. Well, I haven't heard any. I, that's the first I've heard of that rumor of DRC coming well, back. Well, DRC but was at the softball game that yeah. a lot of the Giants players took yeah. part, and I know he was there. He spoke to the media, and he mentioned that you know he just wasn't interested in taking part in OTAs, so that's one of the reasons why he hasn't signed yet. And I know he was quoted by one of the outlets. I don't remember what it is, but, you know, he said to the New York media, well, maybe you'll see me soon. But that could have been him sarcastically joking around. I didn't see it in person. I only read the quote, and there's only so much you can read into that. So as far as the Giants are concerned, there has been nothing definitive whatsoever in terms of anything about DRC. Well, I think that I think that there's always a possibility. He's a free okay? agent. Yeah. And there's always a possibility that there's money is a big is a big dictator here. Um, this one, you know, so, um, and when the timing is right, you'll have to see what happens. Certainly a guy like that can, can play and you can get him in camp maybe for, you know, a week or two and be okay. Um, so there's not a, a pressing need to get him in now. 
Um, so I think that he'll just lay in the weeds until he basically has to. You know, a lot of those veteran guys have done that in the past. They just don't want to go to training camp, and they figure that they could, they could, if they can come the last two weeks of this preseason and be okay, then you know, you nobody plays the last preseason game anyways. So maybe they come in the third third game of the preseason and play a quarter or something to get it ready. DRC could certainly do well, that. Well, the Giants added Leon Hall a few years. Yeah, ago. there you go. So it wouldn't surprise me if they add a veteran right before the start of training camp. Adding the guy now is not going to do anything because they're going to have six weeks off. So yeah. if you're going to add a veteran like that. You do it right as training camp starts, or to your point, maybe a preseason game in. And I think with Brad Wing is that you know there's there's always um, there's always uh, politics, there's always um, things you know financially that goes into it. You know, guys making money, and maybe they thought that Brad Wing was you know not not worth the amount of money that that they were paying him, um, or I don't know the whole story behind it, um, but I just think that Aldrich, from in my opinion, has way more of an upside. Because he scores points and the guy's very valuable and he's got a heck of a cannon and he just needs to he needs to learn. And last year was a great learning experience for him because the team was three and thirteen. They really didn't give a, a hoot about if he was missing field goals or not. <laughs> not a lot you know, of pressure on him. Yeah, so I think now that I watched him today, he hit I wanna say six or seven straight field goals all the way back to fifty six yards. I mean, he was just really good. I, I talked to him right after that, and, and I said, hey, you know, what's the difference? He says, you know what, I'm just, I just feel good, I'm focused, and you know, just trying to get better, and, and that's really all you can ask for these guys. So um, he understands the pressure that he's under, you know, because kickers are, you know, I hate to even say this, but the kickers are a dime a dozen when you think about it. There's veterans out there that, are, that did just did not have a job or had a job last year that can easily be replaced, but um, – I look forward to him having a good year, and I don't know what's the, what the story is with the new two punters, but I've I watched uh, Riley Dixon today kick probably the best I've seen him kick since he's been here, um, and he had a, a really nice afternoon, and I was happy to see the consistency was there. Yeah, Dixon they acquired from Denver, and then they also signed another punter who was briefly with Pat Shermer in the off season last year in Minnesota. Yeah. Yep. So they're going to have those two guys compete. There's also two kickers in camp. So we'll see what transpires. But like anything else, as we've seen in years past, it's all about the preseason. It's all about how they deliver in those game scenarios. You could make every field goal, Jeff, in practice, and then it's a completely different circumstance of the game. And and one thing that you, you can really take out of a, a preseason game that you can't really, like from an evaluation standpoint, okay, you say, okay, well, you know what, how can you evaluate a guy that's going up against second and third team players from a defensive end perspective or a quarterback who's, you know, the third string quarterback is, the second string quarterback is going against the third or fourth string defense. Of course he's going to look good, right? <laughs> of course. The one thing about kicking and punting is because it's such an individual position, you can't evaluate that because really it's, it's you against the goalpost. You against the air. Yeah, you, I mean, so, I mean, <laughs> you want to you want to evaluate it. You're going to get the best evaluation out of kicking and punting because it's on an individual basis per kick per kick. So that you're right. When you comes down to kickers and punters, you look in the preseason and you say, OK, we're going to give you the preseason games. We're going to evaluate them. We're going to chart you during the week. And then you're going to the final piece of the puzzle is when you go into the preseason game. And that's how that's how you make the team. Yeah. No, I. I think you bring up an excellent point, Jeff. <laughs> That's the beauty of when you have special teams players, specifically kickers and punters. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's the third team, the second team, or the first team. The bottom line is you got to execute, make the field goal. The only uh, the only caveat in that whole thing would be the fact that if all of a sudden you, your snapper was the fourth, correct? You know, the, and the, the guy was the fifth string quarterback, yeah, or something that somebody he's like you throwing it one handed, left handed back. That, you, that might have yeah. a little different. Or the long snapper is like the third guy on the depth chart that <laughs> okay. you're testing out. But, maybe you take that into consideration. But they will 
will tell you that yeah. that's no that's no excuse, you know. Because so. you have to assume that maybe the polish guy screws up in a game, <laughs> you and you got to be able to deal with yeah, it. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, I remember I, I would have a, a great game, and I'd have a bad kick because you know maybe the snap was a little bit low or to the left or the right. And um, after the game, I'm like, man, if I had just had a a better snap on that one. And my wife said, well. You didn't. You still have to <laughs> kick it, so stop complaining. It's like, oh, ifs and buts were cherries and the nuts. The hypothetical you know? argument. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, yeah. if I hadn't if I hadn't had those 16 touchbacks in that season, my net would have been 44. Yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> Wonderful <laughs> conversation. Tremendous analysis. Yeah, exactly. The coulda, woulda, shoulda game. Yeah, we all love yeah. that in the world Hello. of sports. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, that is going to wrap things up for us here on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Day one of mandatory minicamp in the books. Two more days to go, and then everybody breaks, cools off a little bit before the start of training camp. So a reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live starts Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern as well as Thursday. We'll take your phone calls. We'll recap day two of minicamp. It'll be Jeff and I once again. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday on Giants.com. Have a good one.